Welcome to the Pop Cult Podcast. Here are your hosts Ariana and Seth. It is the Pop Cult Podcast. This is Seth. Ariana. And today is a very special episode for the first time ever in the long history of the Pop Cult Podcast. All these How many years. long? <laughs> uh, we started last spring. So <laughs> we have a guest in the studio. And when I say studio, I'm talking about the living room in our apartment. Yep. Uh, this guest is also uh, one of the founding Patreon subscribers, because we only have two. <laughs> no, she's founding. Uh, she flew all the way from um, Texas, which, I mean, I'm, I'm very appreciative that she was willing to put that money down and fly here to the Netherlands in order to be a guest on our show. Uh, well, we want to <laughs> welcome Becca to the studio. Welcome, Becca. Thank you for your... Thank you for uh, the warm greeting. Hello. <laughs> uh, I, full disclosure, legally I have to say that Becca is my sister. So we have to admit that. On legally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it makes the founders a little bit just sadder. <laughs> that family would support each other? Yeah, that's real sad, Ariana. That's real sad that family members support each other. Uh, so... Uh, we're just going to kind of talk to Becca a little bit about movies. We have, you know, a shared childhood. There's 10 years between us, so there are a lot of differences in the things that we remember yeah, from like our childhood. Like, you remember, like, lots of bad media, and then I remember lots of good media. So that's a strange <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in the second yeah. half of the show. Um, when we get to the, uh, this is going to be the first time we've done a patron pick that's not on the website. It's an exclusive to the podcast. The only way you're going to know about this patron pick is listening to this broadcast. Uh, so, Becca, you and I grew up together. <laughs> True. Uh, you've known me your whole life, but I have not known you my whole life. <laughs> yes. There's a 10-year gap in the middle, right? Was that where it happened? No. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> never mind. Uh, so, so, I just want to know, um, growing up, what was a show that you remember us kids watching a lot. Uh, Something that became very, like, foundational. Yeah, I mean, Simpsons, for sure. Okay. Uh, King of the Hill. I feel like that was later on, but for me, that was, like, prime childhood show. Uh, Frasier. Um, I remember watching The Pretender with Mom. That wow, was a good that's, one. A, that's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. that was, I really liked that show. That was actually a really good one. What was that show about? Uh, it was a man who was capable of like a jack of all trades, so he would go in and like maybe be a plumber in one episode, and then he'd be like um, a foreign minister in another one, or uh, a psychologist or counselor. I, yeah. I have a better description. Okay. Uh, it was about a a guy who was really good at pretending. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Hence the pretender, <laughs> uh, which I feel like was. It felt like a concept that was a remake of a show from the 60s, I feel like. Like a guy who's a master of disguise feels like yeah. an old concept. Because there was a show called The Saint that was a kind of inspired by James Bond. And it, Roger Moore played The Saint before he became Bond. And I feel like it was a master of disguise kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the creators of The Pretender were like inspired by that. Wasn't yeah. there a movie called Master of Disguise with, with um, uh, Dana, Dana Carvey? Carvey. <laughs> 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 the best. 
<laughs> it was like full of that and then like horrible racial stereotypes. Yes. <laughs> Master of Disguise. Yeah. Really a golden moment for Dana Carvey's career yeah. right there. Why has he not been a bigger star? <laughs> um, so, uh, I remember The Simpsons. I remember The Simpsons being a very quoted show amongst us. Still something I'll quote. Oh, yeah. And I remember making our other sister very upset <laughs> because I would do uh, in the... I don't know, it was like when there would be like a weird, quiet, awkward moment doing the uh, Wuzzle Wazzle. This is what passes for entertainment? Wuzzle Wazzle. <laughs> Which is referencing the Bart's um, I Did It, or uh, what was it he would say? It was He became like a celebrity on Krusty because he had a catchphrase. He I was, didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then like people loved it, but it was almost kind of making fun of that sort of Saturday Night Live recurring character catchphrase thing because then eventually nobody likes it anymore. And he comes out on stage. Well, like also like in sitcom, like you know, uh, did I do that? Yeah, yes, very much. And uh, I remember that was a suggestion from Homer because Bart was like, "I don't know, I got to come up with a new catchphrase." And Homer's suggestion was "Wuzzle Wuzzle." And Bart goes out on stage and freezes because they're not laughing at "I didn't do it," and then goes "Wuzzle Wuzzle," <laughs> and one guy in the audience goes "Wuzzle Wuzzle." This is passive for entertainment these days. I have said that in classrooms with children. <laughs> and it's one of those where, like, I know they're just going to have no idea what this is, but for me, it's very funny. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Uh, so, The Simpsons. Uh, Frasier, I remember watching, but not feeling like it was that of a, like, formative show on me. Uh, do you, like, is Frasier one of those shows that you remember very fondly? Yeah, Frasier and Niles. Uh, but I, Maris? I remember, like, the dynamic being really funny, because I thought, as adults, like, we'll hate each other like this as siblings. Like, there'll be this tension, and then we'll all be rich in a high-rise apartment in the city. <laughs> so <laughs> you were right about the hatred and the tension. It's just, it wasn't as funny as it was on Frasier. <laughs> That's the thing you realize in real life. You're like, this doesn't feel as hilarious as it felt on that show. Um, Seinfeld in reruns I really felt like I mean we watched it when it aired but I felt like the reruns just constant constant yeah I mean I didn't looking back I did not understand what they were talking about 90% of the time as a child like sponges no clue as an adult oh okay even then I've never met anyone that's used a sponge in my life it was like very (laughs) much like that age of like women during that time like with their uh, because it's like whenever it's like I heard about the sponge I was just like what what and they're like oh no that was like an option for birth control I'm like where are you sticking it up like in my head I think of like you know, a sponge. Like, you would you have in a bathroom. Yeah. Like, You're just shoving a sponge yeah. up there. Like, That's what? what my reference was as a child watching it. Yeah. So, in the show, I'm just so confused. Man, she really needs those sponges. She's really got to get I knew it house. wasn't that kind of a sponge, but I, in my head, that's what I imagined it would look like. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything else. Uh, so, Seinfeld, very formative. Uh, any animated shows? I mean, like, kids' shows that you remember? Uh... They were like kind of half animated, half live uh, person. Uh, like on. Uh, You're talking about Bobby's World? No, like <laughs> a Pappy's Land, like where it's like animation, but then there's actual people. I'm going to do a, uh, an all call to our audience here because <laughs> this is this like media artifact from our childhood that even the internet, very sparse information. Pappy Land. It aired like during a summer on PBS. 
And this character is Pappy Druid. Because it was like an, he was like, would draw things, but that really wasn't the bulk of the show. There was always like a drawing segment. Is that what it was? Yeah, there was always like an art section, and I really enjoyed that. It was anyone had a big pencil as a walking stick? It's really cool. If anyone <laughs> out there knows about Pappy or has like digital files of Pappy, we want them. Like we want them. <laughs> hey, we would get. We would do like a, a via satellite interview with you if we can find those and talk about Pappy. Um, I remember. Summers watching a lot of PBS, uh, and it wasn't just like kids shows, but then there were like cooking shows on. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, was really boring because like the background was like just like old kitchen in the '90s, and like there were like chickens and apple tap, but like pattern towels, and I just go, oh, I hate this so much. Do you remember Jacques Pepin who had a show yeah. with his daughter? What? <laughs> yeah, I just opened up a little door in your mind. Yeah. Did yeah. That. Uh, and, <laughs> and how he would get like there was a tension between them which was very odd to see and like you could pick up on it as a kid that like he would go and remember you have to do this and she's not wasn't raised in France and just this sort of like ugh yeah okay. <laughs> like just annoyed like so I don't even understand how the show came about they didn't seem like I mean they didn't, weren't like fighting on air but it seemed like they did have difficulty getting along um movies what movies do you remember just being on repeat? Stuff you would just watch over and over. Well, probably a lot of stuff recorded off of the television on VHS. Probably. Um, mm-hmm. I really remember like the shorts that we had on VHS uh, purchased already, like those cartoons, um, Clippity Cloy or whatever. Uh, the Hobbledy horses, Hoy. Hobbledy Hoy, uh, like the horses walking along, and then, like Mother Goose rhymes. Very like VHS. I remember the cartoons you're talking about. They're like, I think they were like public domain cartoons. Yeah. So some like slime Oh, Panchito, ball. the donkey. Panchito. The, the donkey who couldn't bray. Yes. And my boyfriend watched that actually recently in the last year. I told him, you need to find this because you'll understand more about me. <laughs> and he watched it. And the whole time he thought they were saying the donkey that can't pray. And he was like, what kind of religious propaganda is this about this donkey you can't pray and they're all worried like oh no what, what can't he do he bray. can't he can't bray B-R-A-Y. and like, he thought they were saying can't pray. yeah like that yeah. but a donkey who can't pray does sound like the premise of some sort of like christian network cartoon that would air around christmas and the donkey would like be part of the manger at the end and he would learn to pray when jesus is born like i feel like we just outlined an entire thing we could probably make um I don't know, like, if you remember The Burbs. I remember that being a movie I oh, watched yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah, and what about Bob? Those two, for sure, over and over. Uh, which was interesting, because those are comedies that still hold up. Yeah. And I've always wondered, like, why they appeal to us so much as kids, because they were definitely more intelligent than we were as kids. Mm-hmm. Like, the comedy was a little more sophisticated than, like, a Home Alone or something. Uh and it wasn't slapstick the whole way through. No, listening to it and knowing you two as I know you and knowing your family history, it makes sense. Okay. It's it's the outburst of this white man finally hitting the last straw and finally losing it. 
and you're watching someone going insane. But we and always love Bob much more than uh, Dr. Marvin. Of course, but, but he is antagonizing him. So it was fun to watch Dr. Marvin fall apart. That was the enjoyment. And if you think about the burbs, it was fun to watch Tom Hanks fall apart over the course of that movie. <laughs> I think it's, you, you the wanted... the on the cracker. Or on the pretzel. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think you guys Hans wanted... Christian Anderson. Good Christian name. <laughs> it came with the frame. came with the frame. <laughs> Like, you needed to watch someone completely lose it instead of being on the verge of losing it all the time. And I, I remember really enjoying uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I remember checking that out from the library. Uh, Michael Caine and Steve Martin. And they were the guys who, like, con rich women on the French Riviera. This Shoot. might shock you, but I... As, I remember, as a seven or eight-year-old, I don't remember that one. Well, because I remember, like, renting it from the library multiple times and watching it, like... Close to when I went to college. Uh, but very good. Frank Oz directed it. Uh, the voice of Miss Piggy and Yoda. Uh, very great. Good. He also directed What About Bob? She, you can't see this, listeners, but she gave a... Huh! Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so those were kind of the things that were around when we were kids. Uh, is there anything that you just hated when you, watching you when you were a kid? That even as a child, you could tell it was awful and beneath you. Like, you just didn't, weren't interested in it. Like, any anime, I just had no interest. It would just, I would just be physically sick anytime it would come on the TV. <laughs> a commercial, an advertisement, or a show started. Like, you know, they trick you, like, on the kids' shows. Like, it's, the kids' show's ending, the credits just start. You think, okay, like, I have enough time to get up and then press the power button on the television, and then the next show immediately starts. And it's just like a dragon and then like really fast movements and like someone's going yeah and then you're like no stop stop a boy with an unrealistic haircut yes that was always a part of it yeah. possibly a talking animal was going to be in there for sure a sassy talking animal yeah. um and they were always based on some sort of toy yeah like beyblade or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever um do you have any like theater going experiences you remember growing up I mean, homeschool place. Is that what you're going for? I don't want the movie. <laughs> like going to Because we were a family of four kids plus two adults. Yeah. And even then, that was expensive to go to the theater. So we didn't go very often. Like for me, I can remember before you were born, going to see um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in the theater. Oh, wow. And I remember going to see Willow in the theater with Warwick Davis, a little person from uh, Star Wars. Uh, it was like a fantasy thing. Uh, and I remember going with our father to see that. I remember our Uncle Wallace taking me to see the reissue of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in the theater in Clarksville. Uh, I remember Uncle Wallace, I think, was kind of a, a way into movies for me a lot. Because he loved, I don't know if he still is this way, because you will have spoken to him more recently than I have. But like just loving movies, like he was always about having a big screen TV. He had at the time a lot of VHS tapes. Yeah, those have now turned into DVDs. I have some Blu-rays probably too. Oh, yeah. Only, uh, only the finest DVDs out there. <laughs> only the finest DVDs from the world. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was very much a guy who loves popular media, so it wasn't like the indie stuff. Yeah. So what about your movie experiences? Yeah. You... So theater experiences you remember? Um, I remember like maybe going and seeing episode one, Star Wars, like in theaters I as a kid. With you, yeah. yeah. Um, that's probably the one I can only remember in this moment. Um, and what was that experience like for you? I remember just being really disappointed. Because I'm sure as a kid I thought it was really good, but then everyone around me was like scoffing and this is garbage. 
and I was going, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, this is <laughs> awful. I can't enjoy this. Did you have that feeling? I felt conflicted when I saw it. Because there was something in me that when it was over, I was like, yeah, that didn't seem to be what I wanted it to be. But I was trying to convince myself, like, no, no, it was, it was good. It was, it was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't bad that Darth Maul is hyped so much and then is only in the movie for like 10 minutes and dies and we're never going to find out any more about him. Yeah, that was great. I really liked it. You kind of had the same reaction towards that Superman movie, the one before Henry Cavill was like put as... Superman Returns? Yes, Superman Returns. Like, I remember you were like, it's okay, it's okay. And then like you had a conversation with your brother and then suddenly it was like it's as if it broke you because <laughs> he was like it wasn't great <laughs> I also don't think it helps that it was directed by um, notable sex pest Brian Singer who has been I mean ac- accused and correctly so of like uh, having relationships with underage young men so that kind of also ruins the film experience yeah, right like, yeah um, as an adult now do you feel that your tastes in movies and TV has changed dramatically from then, or do you feel like you still kind of go for the same stuff? Uh, you know, I wish I could say it's, it's uh, been refined over time, and that I go for, you know, artsy things that make you feel something. <laughs> uh, but I still enjoy, you know, I'm going to watch the movie Babe, you know, just to feel good. I would or, say Babe's a great Babe is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. like uh, maybe stuff that's more, maybe more intended for a younger audience because having kids now yeah. as an adult, like, when I get a chance to watch a movie, it's going to be like, they're going to be around. Um, so I actually, I watched uh, the movie about how the guy gets sucked into a video game. <laughs> Tron. I was Tron. like, there's a lot of Jumanji remake. There's a lot of No, watch uh, the, the old and new, part one and part two. Um, over a period of like a couple weeks when we have movie night at home as a with family. With the kids? Yeah, with the kids. What was their reaction? Thorin, uh, he, he loved it. He was all about it. Both of them? Hattie was like, yeah, that was a movie. <laughs> um, she was like, can we watch something else next week? <laughs> um, she wasn't a big fan. Did you enjoy them or you kind of lukewarm? I, I was kind of like, hey, like it's an okay idea. Um, I actually like the first one a lot more than the second one. Yeah, it has uh, way more personality. Yeah. The second I even one. think the special effects are a little better in the first one for the time yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the story is better in the first one. The second yeah, one's too is. complicated. Yeah, it, I felt bad for my son. He just was, he enjoyed it because it was displaying the same idea again and the same like excitement of being sucked into a video game. Oh no. Um, but I don't think he was kind of, like grabbing the concept of what was actually going Cause on. Because when you get to like Jeff uh, Bridges' character, it's so complicated for a kid to like yeah. this father-son dynamic. Is beyond, yeah. yeah. Um, if the, that director, Joseph Kaczynski, uh, directed the recent Top Gun sequel that's apparently like one of the most successful films in history already. They're talking about it like beating Titanic. That's crazy. But I'm like, well, that's because movie tickets are like $20 now. So, yeah, technically. Um, so, what's a movie you've watched on your own as an adult? Or at least not with the kids that you've been like, oh, that was a really good movie. I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, great question. With an answer that is coming shortly. Uh, are you saying like a movie I haven't seen before? Or a movie like Something- maybe I watched again? 
a, a movie that's from recent years that you've watched that wasn't a children's movie. That was okay. a movie for like you. Gotcha. Um, Midsummer. Okay. I would say that was uh, therapeutic to watch in, <laughs> so, in some sense, uh, but also like one that was just for me to enjoy. So uh, when you started, you were like, "This is for mommy." Yeah. <laughs> That's how she. I sat down with a bottle movie. of wine and a bag of chips. I'm like, "Oh, for me." <laughs> um, so what about Midsummer Appeal to you? Um, I think it was the idea of not like horror in the regular sense, but as an adult, like knowing I can go to sleep. This isn't going to bother me later, um, and I can appreciate the movie I'm watching uh, and the display of like a woman finding some kind of place to belong or like freedom from a horrible horrible past that yes was... and it goes insane at the end <laughs> you know maybe we all go a little crazy sometimes because uh, i know we watched hereditary with you under wonderful yeah. circumstances <laughs> where you were the only adult in a house out in the middle of the woods and then we left after <laughs> uh-huh. in october perfect time of the year so comparing those two what is it you like about midsummer more um, I felt like it, the tr- movie's goal wasn't to go, I'm going to scare you. It was just, it just wanted to tell a story. Whereas I feel like a lot of horror movies are like, we just want to make you as scared as possible. And we don't care if there's like a theme behind it or a, a reason why. We just want to try and freak you out and make, show you scary things. Um, whereas Midsummer, like, there's some story to it. I would argue about a hereditary, but we don't have But... Uh, <laughs> uh, are, what do you feel about going to the movie theater versus watching movies at home? Like, do you have one you prefer? Why would you prefer that one? Uh, I mean, with kids now, watching from home is great. Uh, we can get any snacks we want. We can lay on the couch. It's, no, we can pause for a potty break. It isn't like a big deal. Um, it's just easier, maybe. Now, the experience of going to movie theater, we have done that once or twice now um, to like give them the experience of doing it and you know hide the candy and the drinks in the purse and go and give them the full real those are important life lessons yeah 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 for sure and like making sure that even my daughter she was like i can hear the soda in the bag the liquid is moving i'm like Shh, don't talk about it when we go you hear lattice. nothing okay. yeah um i remember going to see spider verse with you and my nephew oh wow and that was yeah, like a last right. minute because it was during winter break i think yeah and you were just like hey you want to go to the movies with me and your son and that was such a great film experience because he is a psychotic Spider-Man fan. And I thought <laughs> yeah. that movie is really what pushed him over the edge. <laughs> Before I was like, I know who Spider-Man is. He's cool. And then he goes to see Spider-Verse. And this child... <laughs> every time I speak with this child, whether it's in person, whether it's over FaceTime... Um, Spider-Man? Uh, Venom? He's very obsessed with symbiotes and Venom. Yes. Why do you think he's so obsessed with, like, that? I've always wondered, kind of. What are your insights? Uh, I mean, escaping reality is great at any uh-huh. age. Um, no, like, he loves Venom. He loves Carnage now. Um, he's really about <laughs> the, the symbiotes and the Venom and, and where they come from and how they interact with this world. And if they were real, what do you think they would do? And the idea of something that's, like, he can't see or touch, but he can imagine. He can. He loves to imagine scenarios that are impossible. Are there movies 
that your kids haven't seen yet, but you're looking forward to sharing those movies with them one day. Yeah, I think things like The Burbs and What About Bob, like things that I, I loved when I was a kid, but they didn't appreciate, I'll wait longer to show that to those guys um, mm -hmm. because I think they'll get a kick out of it. Seeing their senses of humor grow, I think we'll fine tune what I want to show them later because it, you know, you can probably tell like if, you know, one of them's going to hate What About Bob because they take themselves too seriously. <laughs> I mean, they're, what, five and seven? Uh, eight and six, close. Eight and six, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> year good off, uncle, anyway. good uncle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would say they're, yeah, they certainly aren't going to be able to appreciate the nuance of the comedy in those no. things yet. No. Uh, well, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, Becca's patron pick, which is a, was a real experience. <laughs> You're welcome. We will be back soon. back. Uh, still have Becca here in the studio, and we're going to be talking about her patron pick uh, for the month of July. But before we get to that, I want to remind our listeners that we have a contest going on right now. Uh, if you are a member of the Patreon, by July 31st, your name will be entered into a drawing for a free uh, DVD Blu-ray or digital download of any movie that we reviewed uh, this year on the website so far that is currently in print and available. So if it's still in the theaters, can't do it for you. If it's out of print and there's like a $100 copy on eBay, it's got to be something commonly available. Even if it's obscure, we'll get it to you. So your odds of winning are pretty high. I only have two people that are on the Patreon right now. So for three bucks, you could basically have a one in three chance of winning a free movie. It seems like a pretty good deal to me. Could I suggest something for this contest? You want to discourage people from joining? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, you know, I came all the way <laughs> here mm -hmm. to be here for you. Mm -hmm. For two people I love dearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sacrificed so much in the, <laughs> in the journey to make it here. Okay. Um, they're like, you know, the contest is, I mean, come on. <laughs> Are you more like suggesting of who should win the contest? I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I'm um, just. I'm I would just... refer you to um, Paola, which was a scandal in the 1950s involving radio DJs who were paid to play songs more than others. This feels like we're or the quiz show controversy of the 1950s, where a contestant was given all the answers on a quiz show to make sure that he would win. I feel like we're approaching that, and I would prefer not to have to attend Senate hearings about my <laughs> Patreon, where, like, the FCC gets a complaint from someone that they were, it was unfair, it was, there was nepotism going on, his sister was one of the members. Uh, so, we, her patron pick is, and you too can have your own patron pick for $10 a month. You'll be on our writer's room level, and, and you too can have this. And maybe you'll also be on the podcast if you fly all the way to the Netherlands <laughs> to visit me. It would be a little weird. Mm -hmm. um, so this is uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, The Screen Test. Um, originally released in 1996. Mm -hmm. uh, aired on Fox Kids, I think, as like a one-off special and also was on VHS. Uh, the version we watched is the 2004 uh, reprint, which occurred on DVD. Um, and the description, uh, I'll read, goes... 
Heroes come in all shapes and sizes, as the Cabbage Patch Kids soon discover while researching a school project on courage and valor in this episode from the stop-motion animation musical series featuring some of the best-loved dolls of childhood. Kids will also enjoy viewing extras, such as the Cabbage Patch Kid is Born featurette, and getting to know the show's talented cast of characters through an entertaining meet-and-greet. Oh, we did get the special features, and we're going to talk about the inaccuracy of this description here in just a moment. Now, this film, there's not a lot of information about it online. There's a lot of ways to buy it. There's a lot of just kind of general listings of like, oh, here is the voice cast, the crew. But there's not a lot of commentary, which is interesting and also kind of makes sense. It's, it was almost like a straight-to-video thing. Some people enjoyed it as kids. It was a little bit of fluff. They forgot about it, right? Well, here on Letterboxd, there's two reviews. One is a five-star review. One is a three-star review. <laughs> okay. So this thing has an average... I mean, it doesn't even have an average rating because there's only two reviews, right? Uh, so we'll start with the three-star and then go to the five. Okay. They note parentheticals. Watched on compilation tape film festival with The New Kid and The Clubhouse. So it's like three and one kind of thing. Honestly impressed with what I thought would be insufferable kitty shit. It's sort of genuine in its saccharine qualities. And the, that was a three-star review. Here's the five-star review. Why have only 15 people seen this ever? Masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, gonna use, we're setting a benchmark here. Okay. We're using this. We're going to be very scientific. Setting a benchmark. Where do you fall between these two reviews? There's the three-star review of appreciating it for the shit that it is, and the five-star review that is appalled that this has not been seen by a wider audience. Becca? Uh, I would say it's so bad, I'm surprised more people haven't seen it just to make fun of it. Okay. I mean, I'm kind of on the three. I was kind of surprised. I thought it was going to be like a Barbie-esque kind of thing where it's just going, oh, God. Because like, Barbie tends, for my last visit of it, it's like nobody's really bad. And anyone who's really bad is really bad. Here was just like kids being kids. Like you had the two blonde girls that looked like twins that like that were like quote unquote the villains. But it was just like girls being like mean little girls kind of thing. Uh would you say that was a stereotype, though? Oh. Uh, blonde women? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, because it was like, why did they have to be two little blonde girls? Why couldn't they have been, like, neighborhood bullies? Because the Aryan like race is evil? I don't... Oh, come here. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Uh, also, on IMDb, this has an 8.0 out of 10. Because it's way better than you expect it to be, okay? It touches on tough subjects. There is a what? child who obviously has anxiety. He is shaking yeah. unless that kid was, like, given the caffeine shakes. Was so. that the one that was given the gift of the song, Hang Loose? Yes. Could you, what was that again? Hey, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. You, you, were, you, you sang a little ditty. I, I, I want to make sure the microphone caught that. What was it? No. So what was next? Uh, so... Just what are our general feelings about the Cabbage Patch Kids screen test? What do I would just feel generally about it? I think it's better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like drinking fine wine that I haven't drank since I was a child. <laughs> 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 I 
the fermented apple juice that you left somewhere yeah. unattended. I, the biggest compliment I can pay it is that was a very quick 30 minutes. That 30 yeah. minutes zoomed by. And there are things I've watched that were 30 minutes and it felt like it took forever. And this one, thank God, it was over I and mean, done with very quickly. she made us watch the BBC version of, like, what The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And that felt like it dragged on. I mean, it is. That's on. like a six-episode well, thing. classic. <laughs> uh... But even though it's six, it's just, it felt like each episode was just going on for so long. This one was quick. I would say, yeah, like, plot-wise, it got right to the point. Yeah. It did not bullshit around. It was like, we are here to do something. <laughs> here's the premise. Here's the characters. Let's fucking go, <laughs> I mean, they, they did a perfect introduction of sorts, is that you first think that this is going to be like a sci-fi class like, I was like, oh my god, it's going to be, like, really upscale, only for it to be like, oh, it's an imagination thing. Kind of like, you know, Rugrats, uh, in that sense of being like, oh, they're just pretending, guys. And you get introduced to the character, you get introduced to the guy that's, like, always goofing off. And here's that, like, somewhat serious kid. Then we go into the classroom, and they're talking about a project. The project's talking about the classroom. So you have uh, the nerdy kid already selected the thing, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's a great thing about bravery." But we can't all do the same project, and they're they like, do. "And they're yeah, like I'm plot twist." About the, the rules of the project. Plot they- twist that they decided to make a movie, so all of them could be involved except the blonde girls because they had a laptop and they were going to use the latest technology, and it's going to be so quick to finish. Uh, for them to make a movie, and then there's a breakup between friendship. That is resolved within 15 minutes. It was... <laughs> Even less already. Uh, I would say the opening... I was impressed with the opening a bit. Yeah, the opening was great. The pro- I'd say the production design and the stop motion were not bad. No. I'd say one of my problems with this is it's very hard to remember who's who unless they have some incredibly unique trait. Especially <laughs> among the boys. They all blend together because of those fucking Cabbage Patch faces. They well, are it's all like the same. The and you're same... Like, who is this? Is this the kid who's directing or the kid who's yeah. handling the like the sound? two like kids, the kids that are like producing and directing. Um, one has blue eyes, one has brown eyes. Is a little bit tanner, just a little bit, but they have the exact same hair. Yes. All of them have the exact same yarn hair. They have like one black uh, character, and that's it. And it's kind of the standard for like yeah, and the nerdy one obviously studio. had glasses and like wore quirky clothes kind of thing. It did. Get, they did have those types that yeah. you would see on kids shows a lot. But everyone was working together as a team, except for the two bully girls next door. Again, Aryan race evil. <laughs> um, it was not a very accurate picture of film production. For children? I think the... uh, (laughs) There is no project management skills at all. Well, no, the most glaring thing to me that I was like, like hey, so like someone's asking, like, is there a script? I'm like, eh, we'll just make it up as we go. (laughs) Which is probably, has been the downfall of many movies. I'd like to cite the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, directed by Paul Feig, as an instance of too much improv. I mean, but what about Iron Man that basically had no script and they improvised the whole way? What? Iron Man, apparently they didn't have a script, they just improvised a lot of it. I think you have to be at a certain level to be able to do that. And I don't <laughs> think these kids were in elementary school. Um, they weren't children. <laughs> they weren't children. <laughs> they were they're, made of cabbage. <laughs> they were cabbages. Um, I also, as a teacher, and this is a pet peeve, 
<laughs> we need to make a list of films we've well, seen this. One thing I've come to realize is just I've forgotten the scope of how long COVID's been going on for. <laughs> because I watched these movies right when COVID had started in uh, March of 2020. I did a series about elementary school on film. I didn't just want to do school because there's tons of high school movies. There's less elementary school movies. And I remember one of the things that drove me nuts <laughs> as a teacher, and we talked about a little bit of this as we watched it, was scenes that start with all the kids in the classroom <laughs> in an elementary school, and then the teacher comes in, and how in my ten years of teaching, not once have I ever fucking seen a classroom <laughs> setting where it would be fine by like the administration that there would just be a classroom full of like eight-year-olds unattended by an adult. Like, it's insane. But it shows up. It was in this. And so, I mean, we did also talk about the idea of a Cabbage Patch adult being even more horrifying <laughs> than the Cabbage Patch children. Um, but, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I never have uh, attended a public school, um, so well, then, I'm unsure of what the circumstances would be. So to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, they're alone. I mean, like, I know, like, as a kid, when a like a teacher had to step out, it would be like, oh, there's no adult, other adult. You, like, the most responsible kid, would be left to take notes, even though if they they probably wouldn't listen to you that well. But it was like, oh, write down whoever. You have to be a snitch. You have to. Like, yes, it was the kid who was the like assigned. the biggest narc in the classroom. <laughs> I've as a teacher, I've done that. Like you, you're a little tattletale. But if you, you stand over here and you let me know if any of these kids. Those are the kids that end up being cops. Thanks. Well, like those kids, the crazy thing is they're never hesitant about what, how that will affect their social standing. They're like, yes, yes, this is what I want. This is what I was waiting for. I can't wait to be ostracized during lunch. But then they're like, even the kids that know they would snitch on them. They're like, okay, like they just move on. Like, well, they're children, they're done. Um, so, um, so I would like to see a scene like that in a movie where we get a little bit before it starts. I just want to see these kids shuffle into the classroom and go, was there a teacher who stepped out? Because it seems like the teacher has shown up for work most of the time, and the children have shown up. It's very odd. Um, my favorite part was uh, when Becca said that it's study hall, and you started, you were like, Kids don't get study hall. Stop that. Uh, so they... What was the idea for the movie? Because there's a newspaper article. Yeah. The idea yeah. for the movie is because they have a project. You read it. You read the thing that they had to do something no, about courage. No, but the actual... The thing they're going to make the project about. It's about this nurse that helps, like, her, the doctor she's working with, like, go through blah, blah, blah. Because they're, like, doing an... Ex they're, like, in an isolated area. So she decides to carry him through the desert to get him to safety. But he's so... It was supposed to be some sort of, like, anthropological or archaeological? Like, yeah. Like, exploratory thing, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, and he's a doctor, right? I'm assuming he's a doctor, okay. like, of whatever. Okay. You would be a doctor of, like, some sort of historical sciences, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Why does he have a medical nurse with him? I don't know. He's a doctor, he but it's not hurt. that kind of doctor. He might get hurt. It might be, like... But like Indiana Jones doesn't bring like Florence Nightingale along with him. I don't know. Okay, like we could do we have to rewatch this in order to make it clear? No, but I was just like <laughs> I kept thinking like, yeah, are they mistaking that he's a like I, I think was, that's what it was. It was a kid mistake, but no, the article said there was a nurse. Yeah. So it wasn't that they were mistaken that, about doctors and nurses. It wasn't a kid mistake, which would made sense. I don't know if this maybe... was a <laughs> 
There was a medical nurse. I don't, like, I, I don't know if maybe they were, like, a couple or something, or if she'd gone with him just, like, for funsies. This is why the script needed another rewrite. They needed to go through it again, revise it. We needed it was never about. It was never about the movie. <laughs> it was about... The bonds and the relationship and the coming of age that this movie represents. What coming Who came of age? <laughs> uh, Vernon. I believe Vernon. Tell me is. about Vernon. Vernon is one of the indescript males in the show. <laughs> and uh, he, he uh, has a pivotal moment at the end of the film. I don't want to ruin the ending. But <laughs> <it's not laughs> uh, where he's um, hanging from a uh, hole in a treehouse. Is and his name Vernon? I thought that one was Vernon. I thought it was like Trav or something. See, they were such oh, a no. well-written thing. Uh, I want to rewind a little bit. Um, the, whichever little piece of shit was doing the sound. I don't know his name. A little red-haired piece of fucking <laughs> uh, he, he, It just so happens that the two mean girls live right next door to where they're filming. And he stumbles into one, the I guess one of their The sound kid goes there because he's like, uh, he doesn't want to like... He wants to know what they're doing. He's creeping on these girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For sure. So their whole thing was they have this laptop, right? Mm-hmm. And that the laptop was going to help them make a better presentation. Yeah. Right? They're sitting in the backyard with the laptop, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> this, this was filmed in, like, 95, 96? Yeah. There wasn't Wi-Fi. They're just they writing the project. Down. So what made the computer such a better device to do the project with? Was it just because they could type it? Yep. And it's, it's that expensive. Was it. it's they digital. could type yeah. their report. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the children who are like making, making a feature documentary about what happened. I mean, they're making a film and then accidentally make a documentary. Yeah, because yeah, we got to get to like the weird meta nature of the film they make. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just kept thinking like, oh, if this was, you know, 2005, then it would be like, oh, they're using Wi-Fi on their laptop so they can get pictures and research. But this 96, that's not happening. They would have to be inside the house. There need to be a phone line plugged into mm-hmm. the laptop, and we never see that. No. So the only advantage, the only thing that they're like, this will make our project better, is it will be typed. And maybe some <laughs> clip art. I mean, and to be some... fair, they only got two lines done. Yeah, that is true. And they, then... they didn't even get to add anything else. And then, yeah, like you were saying, some clip art from the Microsoft library that comes preloaded right in Word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haven't we all used that in our reports? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was an odd point to me where I was like, I don't, I don't understand how this is a benefit to those girls. Um, what's the conflict? Were they brothers or friends that got No, the they're fight? friends. They're friends. Yeah, they yeah. just look eerily similar. Because yeah. <laughs> the creative differences. One was taking it way too seriously, and the other one was like, let's just have a good time and hang loose, guys. And... Uh, the one who was like uh, type A didn't like that at all. Uh, so type A. Yeah. Is he the one that ends up in the treehouse for the finale, or is that type B? I think type B. I think. Hang <laughs> loose. We'll call him hang loose. Hang, hang loose. Is we'll call him hang loose and uh, yeah. anal retentive. Yeah, I mean <laughs> type A is the one that saves him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so is the film trying to say that type A people are better than type B people? I think it was that Type A regretted what he did, that he saw it as he was taking it too seriously and had to go save Type B. He has to save Type B, though. Type yeah. B isn't paying attention to the details. He's lost in La La Land. He's daydreaming. 
And you know what that leads to? He almost gets himself fucking killed. <laughs> like, falling through the hole, the obvious hole that everyone could see in the treehouse. Oh, yeah. yeah, the hole that was created by one of the other kids, because they told him, don't do that. The floor isn't very, like, strong. And nobody ever goes, we should be careful with that hole. So, like we said, it's a very fast 30 minutes. Like, yes. There's not a lot of meat on those bones. Uh, the finale has... Type A, and all the other friends discovering that Hang Loose is literally hanging loose through a hole in the floor yeah. of the treehouse. And they need to rescue him, and that's where there was another point of confusion for me. Their rescue yeah. plan. <laughs> <laughs> this rescue plan, would somebody please explain all right. how we're going to rescue this child? So... You know how the kid went up the ladder into the treehouse to <laughs> yes. then fall through the hole, and he's hanging yeah. on the edges of the hole. Then everyone's like, from a distance, they hear, Trav, hanging from a tree. They're like, oh no, Trav's in trouble. Oh, his name's Trav. There you go. Yeah. Hang loose. So they go to try, uh, and they're all standing on the ground, and they're like, how will we ever help him? And Type A is like, I have an idea. And he starts climbing up the ladder to the treehouse. And you assume at this point he's going to go inside the treehouse. But house. remember, they use a boom mic beforehand to like steady Push him. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> and then they're like, this isn't working. He's like, I know what to do. And that's when he gets up the stairs. And then he stops about halfway up and decides, I'm going to climb out on this very wiggly branch to try and grab the kid's leg. Or yeah, hand. and at some point, either when he's doing that or before, two other the kids go up there. Like all to, the way up. All yeah. the way up. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And yet, do nothing. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what was the game plan here, guys? It's because you have... Why didn't you just go... Was there, any, there wasn't anything blocking anyone from getting in the treehouse. As you just stated, there were no. people who went up there. Yeah. But our, like, protagonist doesn't go all the way up to the hole to pull him through. Because but, he feels yeah. like he's already way too deep that he needs to just fall but in, like, a safer place. But it also doesn't make sense because why send two two people up there if yes, that's the case? I don't understand. Or like look for something soft for him to fall to fall on if you're worried about that. Uh, he ends up slipping through, only to like catch the edge of like the stairs of the hole. I think he's like got fingertips on the edges of the hole. And but though he 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 grips on the stairs after his friend helps him to be pulled up. It was a whirlwind of a scene. I can hardly remember this. <laughs> I would like to give notes to the person who directed this about issues. With, yeah. But can we talk about the one perfection that was there? The spider? No. Um, it's when the blonde girls go are oh, in, yes! <laughs> in oh the house. Oh, my God, yes. And the recording kid goes to see what their project is. And when they woke out, they're spelling Mississippi and then laughing to each other. The, okay. <laughs> I, I think we need to, like... <laughs> like... I really want the listeners to understand what happens in this scene. So it cuts to a shot of the corner of the little blonde girl's house. Yes. They're coming around the corner and we hear the middle, one of them going, it's... M I double S I double S I double P I, and then they both go. <laughs> and I was wondering, like, once again, sort of like the children all in the classroom and the teacher. Could we have a few minutes before this scene? <laughs> because why are they spelling Mississippi, and why would the spelling of Mississippi 
cause both girls to just laugh hysterically. Like, it doesn't, I don't there's know. no... Did you not have that moment growing up? I mean, maybe, maybe it's just a girl thing. I don't know. Like when you're in <laughs> elementary school and you spell Mississippi, when girls learn to spell Mississippi. funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they make the movie, which turns out to be a movie about these two friends. So like, they're filming the whole time? Uh, so you know how the kid at the end shows the act of bravery and courage? Yeah. That is then the project. Were they filming? Yeah, the, what happened was one of the kids started to film during the accident. Okay. Yeah. Because I just don't remember seeing the kid with the camera. It must have been like a quick, brief shot. I maybe. I mean, I mean this, this movie isn't really giving you a lot of like detail. <laughs> this well, movie it's a is segue from the rescue to the classroom. It's, it is a transition. The, it, it's a I trailer. love it. Yeah, it's it's done so well. Again, incredible film. Um, <laughs> Very Fellini esque in this session. <laughs> Is it a dream? Is it a film? You will find out. Where is the line? It's very like eight and a half. Right? <laughs> very like, where's the line between the film and reality? Uh, and then the little like, you know, exclamation point on the end of the movie is the little girls having their laptop destroyed. Yeah. Which shatters very easily. They just it, drop it there's on There's an explosion. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> there's <laughs> smoke and there's like a boom. And it's because... Um, one of the kids has like a black widow spider because uh-huh. I mean I don't know many spiders that look like that other than a black widow they just like fucks around with this <laughs> black widow <laughs> I love that also like he you see him playing with the jar there's a spider inside and then they shift over and then the, you go back to him and the spider's gone and he's still looking at the glass like huh and not even warning anybody like hey the spider got loose <laughs> I would compliment the film on that there are characters doing little things that aren't key to the plot and I that was one of the things that stood out to me was we I see it with the spider in the jar we're talking about the movie and he's sitting over the corner and just you can tell he looks and acknowledges the spider is gone and then starts like looking around at the floor <laughs> and I was I like that little detail little detail so, little detail yeah, little detail, detail. Uh, so we also had the benefit uh, how we watched it that we were able to access the special features so special. Very special. Special in like the best sense of the word. Um, <laughs> and I want to talk, I have a point of contention we're going to get to here. Uh, this official description, it says, uh, the Cabbage Patch is Born featurette, which we're <laughs> going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of you have already oh, seen man. this, because I feel like, I, like... The getting to know the show's talented cast of characters through an entertaining meet and greet. Becca, if you could describe the Meet the Characters special feature, like, just describe what that was like. Um, probably the biggest letdown of the year. Um, it was just a page with words, and after I watch a movie, I don't want to read. And it was just an image of one character, and then some words about them, and then if you click next, it's another character with words about them. And it's not even the whole cast. It's just three characters. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of... We're going to sit here and go through a lot of pages. No, it's just three of the characters. Yeah. We That's don't it. know if maybe that was also just, like, the person who had set this up just got lazy and if there's other DVDs with more stuff that, in it. My theory is to get all the character profiles, you got to have all the DVDs. So they give you a little crumb, but you got to collect all five or six. Or Why would anyone want that? Why wouldn't anyone <laughs> want that? Um, the Cabbage Patch is Born featurette, which is totally disconnected from anything in the, the feature <laughs> presentation. It gets real. Describe to our audience, Becca, 
what happens in this scene? Um, Miracle there's life. it's a it's a <laughs> medical office with a uh, <laughs> medical maybe a doctor office. and a nurse uh, delivery doctor maybe. I'm gonna question the credentials. I do not oh, think these yeah. are people with doctor <laughs> degrees. I don't think they have attended med medical school. But they're in a cabbage patch field, and you see uh, little cabbages with little baby heads sticking out of each one, and kind of uh, behind some cabbages, they're doing a procedure because a baby's ready to come out of the cabbage. And there's some descriptive words being used, like it's dilating, and what is dilating? I do not well, the know. The cabbage is dilating, I, she says. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and then what was the name of the liquid that was like in the Imagicillin. IV? Imagicillin was being used. And uh, my favorite was she kept saying, okay, push, push. And we what don't know pushing? who is pushing. Who's pushing? And dirt. then she was like explaining that thankfully there's never been any uh, C-sections needed. Cabbage but sections. sections. And she said, <laughs> the clap. Sorry. Seth just clapped when we Cabbage <laughs> section, yes. <laughs> They didn't even try a pun. They were just uh, C's for cabbage when I give up. But then they mention it's a pun for an episiotomy. I forget what they called it. An easyotomy or something. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was probably that was a weird one to I feel like that's a joke for parents. For any parent that like had children. Cringe. Well, in the reproductive cycle that was presented in this segment, there was an element of what was it? Do you remember this? I don't. They I don't like know. I think some sort of fairy creature that. Oh, the bunnies! The fairy bunnies that would drop crystals in the cabbage field to help them grow. Which also, like, okay, not only is this pure <laughs> excitement. So not only, I remember something. Not only is this inaccurate to just the human reproductive cycle, it's also inaccurate to the growing cycle of cabbage. So not <laughs> only are we we're, we're now we've added a third element that is not related to cabbage or babies at all. <laughs> Of just fairy bunnies. So now we have bunnies that can fly. And the size of the crystals, you think like glitter. These were like crystal formations you would find inside a cave. But they're dropping on the cabbage patch. It's very odd. How big are these fairy bunnies? They were like the size of the cabbage patch kids. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very interesting. I believe it was filmed at the Cabbage Patch Museum Hospital in Georgia. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, that's a little section you could watch if you go to the museum. Uh, my favorite was when she's like, oh, it's a girl. And Seth goes, how, how, how can you tell? How can you tell? <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a Cabbage Patch doll with genitalia. So how do we know which ones are girls and boys? Maybe they were the first non-binary dolls. Well... That was uh, Cabbage Patch Kids screen test. Uh, we're so happy to have had you here for the show, Becca. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to leave our audience with or any final thoughts you have? Uh, I would say go watch screen test uh, for free on YouTube. <laughs> Make sure to watch the version that's a DVD rip. That's the be You're going to get the special features. It's the whole package. They're gonna, even like the little trailers beforehand for other... Horrible shows that uh, were licensed along with Cabbage Patch Kids. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pop Cult Podcast. Uh, make sure to check out our show notes for any relevant links that will take you over to our website, popcult.blog. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. 
so that you'll be notified when new episodes are up. And don't forget to check out popcult.blog for even more reviews uh, every week, multiple times a week. Uh, Currently, we're doing a series on 21st century Scorsese. So looking at the films of Martin Scorsese made from the year 2000 onward. Uh, Coming up after that's going to be a series we're calling Capitalism on Film, where we're going to be watching and reviewing movies that talk about all the various players and angles and aspects of capitalism. And then in August, we'll be kicking that month off with a series on French director Jacques Demy, uh, the filmmaker behind uh, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, Make sure that you check out our Patreon linked here in the show notes uh, to help support what we're doing here. And this month in July, if you are a member of the Patreon, as we mentioned earlier, by July 31st, your name will be entered into a contest for a drawing, uh, and you can get win a DVD, Blu-ray, or digital download copy of a currently in-print movie that we've reviewed this month, year on the blog. I want to thank our Patreons, uh, Matt, and then Becca, who's here with us. She did a, a weird sort of theater nerd salute, I feel like you might see. <laughs> uh, m'lady kind of move. Uh, they are both at our writer's room level. And at that level, $10 a month or higher, they get to pick a movie, like we just did here with the Cabbage Patch uh, Kids, the screen test, that I will review. And uh, maybe you might get to have your film featured on the podcast and actually get to talk about it with me like Becca just did. What a special, rare experience. And for $10 a month, of course, the cost of the flight here and back from the States. Um... So, on that note, uh, until the next episode, keep watching.